1: And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website kingstowncommunion.net. of peace the table? Of the Lord.
0: There is peace at the table.
2: Worship and I wish you and yours a happy Thanksgiving. Stay safe. Today's scripture reading is from Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. For the kingdom of heaven is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow, and gather where I did not scatter. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest? So he took the talent from him and gave it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth.
1: Well, my first year of seminary, the year that I went off to learn how to become a pastor, it was also the year that a movement was birthed. For the the first six months before I went to seminary, protesters had been occupying Wall Street and they didn't seem to be planning to leave anytime soon. These occupiers on Wall Street, they, they weren't getting... They weren't getting any closer to having their goals met. And so they were, they're digging in their heels and saying they refuse to leave unless change happens on Wall Street. And so by 2012, they'd begun taking donations to see how long they could make it, occupying the streets of New York City. And in their words, they refuse to leave until they can tear down the whole wall, until they build a whole new street altogether. And so Occupy Wall Street was dominating, dominating the discourse at my seminary. And this is the kind of stuff, y'all. This is the kind of stuff that theologians and pastors, we live for it. I mean, you you know our type, right? You know our type. Us over-educated, slightly liberal-leaning, a little radical pastoral type people. Like We love this kind of stuff. Like this is the sort of protest that we live for because we can go stand up in the pulpit and we can add our voice to something that's going on in the world. And we can chastise all those reaping all the rewards of a broken economic system. This is our chance to stand up and to preach and to overturn the system from the pulpit. And so we we do what we know to do. We turn to Jesus, which is often a mistake. We open up the Bible, and we're looking for some good prophetic Jesus-y words so we can light into Wall Street. And, and lo and behold, Jesus has us preach Matthew 25. Like you heard it right. Jesus in today's text sounds more like a senior manager giving advice to some young hedge fund managers, more like the guy calling all the shots on the trading room floor then he does like a like a protester hunker, hunkered down in the rain. You want to know what the kingdom of God is like, says Jesus. Well, it's like a wealthy business owner. And this wealthy business owner decides he's going to go away for a little while. And so he diversifies his portfolio. He gives some of it to some junior partners. And he says, here, I want you to watch over these assets while I'm away. And so to his, to his top partner, he gives 10 million. And to his second partner, he gives 5 million. And there's this new guy, we're still not quite sure whether he's going to make it in this business or not, but we'll give him a little, give him a, give him a hundred grand, give him a bone. And he says, watch over this while I'm gone, watch over this. And then the rich business owner leaves. And immediately the the top junior partners, they gamble with the manager's money. After all, it's not their money. He goes away and the first, you know, the first one, he finds some high risk and yet quickly yielding reward possibilities and he invests his money in it and boom, just like that, $10 million turns into $20 million. And then the second junior partner, he follows suit. He finds maybe some offshore resources he can invest in and he puts all $5 million into it. And it pays off, $5 million becomes $10 million, just like that. And then the third partner, well, he takes his hundred grand and he neatly collects it into a bundle and he sticks it in the company safe. Jesus says that the rich businessman comes back. God begins to look in this story a little bit like pre-president Donald Trump. He calls everyone into the boardroom And with the spotlight on him, he asks them to show all that they've done. And the first junior partner coughs up the 20 million. I doubled your money. Well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Come into my presence. The second partner. Well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. And then the third one, well, um, yeah, I frankly was a little afraid of you. Your hair piece scares me. And so I took the money you gave me and I played it safe. I put it in the safe. And so here is everything you gave me. You get all your money back. And God in this story lights into him. You idiot, if you had at least put the money in the bank, I would have gotten interest off of it. You're fired. And take whatever you had, your little hundred grand, ugh, and give it to the guy with 20 million. At least he knows how to manage funds. And this, says Jesus... This is the kingdom of God. Now, now if you're anything like me, and you get a little nervous when Jesus starts sounding like a CEO, might I remind us that this story comes from Matthew's gospel. Matthew, the tax collector. Which is to say that Matthew works on Jerusalem's Wall Street. Matthew made a living pushing numbers around, handling other people's money, taken a little bit off the top for himself. The way that Matthew managed funds was so that he could add more zeros to his bank account. Matthew was about as popular in his day as Trump is now. And yet Matthew Matthew has a gospel to tell. As much as we slightly liberal-leaning, over-educated pastors would like for Jesus to just work with, you know, drug addicts and prostitutes and widows and orphans, Jesus is, it seems, willing to work with sinners of all kinds not just those who occupy sto- street corners, but also those who occupy corner offices. Jesus, it seems, will work with all sorts of sinners. And it seems to me that Matthew's testimony today is that some of the lessons he learned working on Jerusalem's Wall Street can be can be employed in the kingdom of God. That his redemption story is saying that God has taken his particular brokenness, you know, manipulating systems towards death. God's taken it and redeemed it, so that now he is manipulating for life. Matthew seems to want to tell us, hey, here's here's all I can tell you. If, If you're risk averse, Jesus may be tough for you. If you don't have the stomach for risk, you may not want to work on Wall Street and you may not want to follow Jesus, Matthew seems to say. Because in the kingdom, risk equals reward. Matthew, if you remember, is also the writer who told us the story of the rich young ruler. You remember that story? The rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and says, I like what you've got going here. I've seen your portfolio, Jesus. I want to get in on this action, Jesus. And Jesus gives him the standard public line, you know, buy high, sell low, play it safe, keep the commandments. And the rich young ruler thinks. well, I've done all that already. Jesus, how do you think I even got rich in the first place? And then Jesus leans in. It's like he's got some insider tip. He gets real quiet and he says, okay, come here. You, you want in on this? Liquidate all your assets. Give your money away and come and follow me. And Matthew says the rich young man leaves sad because following Jesus was just too risky for him. Risk equals reward in the kingdom. It is one of the few lessons, friends, that your accountant will tell you that you'll also hear echoed from Jesus from the kingdom. And Matthew's gospel, the entire gospel, seems to bend over backwards, warning us and inviting us. The warning is this. If you want to play it safe, Jesus probably isn't the one for you to follow. And the invitation is this. That whatever you risk is matched in reward. Enter into my joy, enter into my rest, enter into my presence. Which reminds me of Jim. Jim was one of the wealthiest people in our congregation at the church I served in North Carolina. And Jim had taken over dying companies. That's what he did. And he did it really, really well. He was that guy. I don't know what the name is for that in the business world, but his job was basically to come into a company that was going south. They'd call Jim in and he would go in and he'd turn the company around. He was good at it. And he was paid handsomely for it. We all just kind of knew it was common knowledge that Jim, well, Jim had money. Well, Jim comes into the church, he shows up at church, and in his words he says, Now now that we're living on, we're getting on in life, we figured we would try this whole Jesus thing out now. Great, come on in, Jim. Jim comes, shows up on Commitment Sunday, you know, like today at Kingstown a Sunday just like the one today. And he's going to he's going to check the box. He's going to tell what he's going to give to God for the year coming up. And he does and then he writes in the bottom of his commitment card, I would also like to join the finance team. All right, Jim. And so we we have our first finance meeting with Jim on the finance team. And we're we're doing what churches do, you know? We're going through the budget and we're crunching the numbers. So what do what do donations look like? All right. Yeah, where are we spending our money? Mm-hmm. And and where can we cut? Where can we cut the money? And we start looking at staff and asking whose hours need to cut back. And then we moved on to the youth and thought, gosh, this program is getting a little bit too big for us, a little too expensive for us. And then we moved on to children's ministry. Like, where are they buying their construction paper? We are spending way too much, way too much on children's supplies. And about halfway through the conversation, Jim finally pipes up. And he says... You know, I'm new to this whole church thing, so forgive me. But usually when I come to a boardroom table and the conversation is more about saving money than it is about building something great, that ship has already started going down. And and the only question I usually ask those people sitting around the boardroom table is... Is this company worth risking your life for? Because if it's not, we just all need to go home, friends. And so then Jim poses the question to us around the table. It just honestly doesn't sound like you're willing to risk much here. You're trying to save and you're trying to play it safe. And so my question for you is, is this church, is this community, And the ministries therein worth risking your life for, because if it's not, we need to go home, friends. And at that moment, it was like Jesus had showed up at the boardroom table and started taking from all of us complacent Christians everything we had. Give me your faith, give me your money. We're giving it all over to Jim. You guys have lost the privilege of being stewards of my kingdom. Jim here, well, Jim Jim knows how to run a business. In the kingdom friends, risk equals reward. And that's true both corporately and, and it's true personally. If our church isn't willing to be risk-takers in the community, God will find another people who will be. The Methodist church is bearing so much testimony to that right now. Right now, the average Methodist church worships 30 people with an average congregational age of 74. The vast majority of Methodist churches in our nation have not made a new disciple for Jesus in the last five years. And that's because the Methodist church has decided to stop risking it big with Jesus and started playing it safe. We wanted to make sure our spreadsheets are balanced and we've got to reserve twice our budget, but the whole mission and ministry thing, the risk-taking part, well, that's that's just too risky. And so what once was the fastest growing, most dynamic denomination of the of the Christian faith has begun to shrivel. The ship has turned, and what happened? What happened? We moved from mission to mainstream, what used to be a mission-focused movement completely sold out to two ideas, social holiness and personal holiness, that is, a redeemed society and transformed individuals, we sold that. We sold that out because the Methodist Church decided that it just wanted to play it safe. Friends, the Kingstown Communion has always been a risk taking endeavor, the missional antidote to Methodist mainstream. And this is also true personally, not just corporately. If your faith isn't making you risk something, you've got to ask if you're actually following Jesus. Because I can promise you that Jesus will require you to risk everything. Who you are, who your friends are, how you live, how you relate, your money, your family with Jesus. It is all or nothing. Because Jesus' invitation is to join in the mission of God, which is the riskiest mission known on earth. And you know the story of this mission. That at the beginning of time, God created a world out of love and created beings like us with free will, and that God decided to risk it all on relationship with us. And when our love failed over and over and over again, God never played it safe. God went all in. God sent Jesus in the flesh to reconcile us back to God and to lead us toward being priests of reconciliation in the world. And then at the end, at the end, just three chapters after our our text today, The biggest risk of all happens. At the end of Jesus' ministry, after his life and death and resurrection has taken place, God then risks the mission in us. Up to this point, we watch God being risky for us, And now, at the end, Jesus says, it's up to you. If this mission of reconciliation and salvation is to happen, it's going to be in you. And through you, and because of you, God risks everything on you. Gosh, it takes guts to be in ministry with a God like that. That's why I've said it before. Sometimes I think we should have a warning sign under the baptismal font. Some kind of neon sign that says, alert, alert, as this warning of the kind of God who lurks around these waters that this is not a God. This is not a God who is averse to risk. This is not a God who likes to play it safe. No, no the God who lurks around these waters, seizes you and incorporates you into the riskiest mission you'll ever know, friends, loving your enemies, building the kingdom and turning the world upside down. Today, I I want you to hear from someone in our congregation who knows well the God who has risked everything on him, and who has decided to risk big at Kingstown and mission with that God. Would you listen in to Brian?
0: Good morning, King Kingstown. Michelle asked me to share what I give to the Kingstown Communion regularly, and this is why. 2020 has been a challenge for everyone. None of this has been easy for the average person, and the most vulnerable in our community have suffered far more. There's a lot of negativity and pain and brokenness that needs healing in our area and the world, even without a global pandemic. And yet, in the face of all this that seems destined to break us and kick us while we're down, we're still supposed to have hope. And that's where Kingstown comes in. Kingstown is what gives me hope. I grew up in a large Methodist church. Melissa unfortunately grew up Baptist, and when we first started our family, we wanted the kids to grow up in a church like we did, with people who would love them and look out for them and care about them, but we couldn't settle on a home for us. Melissa and I found out about Kingstown from the Serve with St. Nick events, and like vagabond Christians without a home, we always went to at least the big two services a year, one at her church and one at mine. Melissa was looking for a part-time gig to bring in some extra cash and found a nursery position for this teeny startup church that didn't even meet every Sunday. And oh hey, it's the same church that does the serve with St. Nick thing. Fast forward a month and we're meeting Michelle at Grounded and Melissa says, oh Brian plays bass and Michelle and Melissa both volunteer me to start playing in the worship band and the rest is history. I hadn't attended a church regularly in over a decade. And yet God called me here. He knew that my family would be welcomed and that we could find hope through all of our challenges with the support of our church family. In the beginning, I didn't give regularly. I'd throw money in the basket whenever I had some extra cash in my wallet, but that was it. However, the situation in the church and in the world is not the same as it was four years ago. When I first started to give regularly, money was tight for Melissa and I with three kids and childcare and diapers and formula and bills and I really had to pray about the amount that I was giving. Even if it doesn't seem like a lot, even if you're saying to yourself that's such a small amount I don't know if it's worth it, believe me it is. We're putting our proverbial big boy pants on and we're voting to separate ourselves from Aldersgate and uh, we have our own ministry support and our own staff, and our own bills, and that doesn't lend itself to someone else picking up the tab. We all show up on Sundays because Kingstown is a place that we love, and it's that love that compels me to make sure that we can stay the church that gets out and does God's work in the community to help our neighbors. It's that love that compels me to give regularly to support the ministries of the church, so that when the time comes to vote on separation from Aldersgate, we can do it. Knowing that even though it's almost like starting over again, we can do it because we love Kingstown and we want it to succeed. Thank
1: you. Friends, we are a community that shares in Brian's faith in the God who has risked everything on us if you are a member of this church, if you attend this church, if you call this church home for the sake of this God, don't help us play it safe here at Kingstown. In a few minutes, I'm going to ask that you make your your 2021 financial commitment to Kingstown. And as you do, I ask that for the sake of this God that you would not play it safe. I ask today for the sake of the mission of God, if, if you have already pledged and you realize there is no risk in it, that you do not play it safe and make a new commitment today. For the sake of this God, risk big. Would you pray with me? God, you risked everything on us. Risked everything to be with us and everything to implant the mission among us. And so, God, we say, take our our lives, take our money, take our Take our everything and may it be pleasing to you. Take my life and let it be always only for you, God. God, I pray for those today who are being stirred inside to risk something big. Maybe it is a mission, a, a a project that you've placed on their heart, something that will set our community on fire. God, maybe it is stepping out in faith for the first time and acknowledging that they have been called into your ministry. Maybe risking big today looks like walking away from toxic lifestyles. Maybe risking big for you today, God, looks like entering in to to a deeper relationship with you that is it's it's not just because they grew up in the church but because they want to seek you maybe risking big today god looks like diving into studying your word and to praying daily and to joining a common table and god i know also that risking big with you always 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 includes our money no risk is without that. No risk in your church is without that. You always ask for us to surrender also, to surrender also, to invest also our money into the radical risk-taking mission of the gospel. And so as you are stirring in people's hearts today, God, I ask that they would find in you and in this church something that sets them on fire to risk over and over and over again for the God who who took every risk on them, continues to risk them turning against God, continues to risk, risk us turning away from you over and over again. You risk on us. We are grateful, God. And we join into that prayer today.
0: Amen. There is peace at the table of the Lord. There is peace at the table of the Lord. I